Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Staying in constant communication with my leaders. And I do that, you know, and they do that. And I got, you know, we have great leaders on this team. We really do. Uh, but now's the time for them to understand um, where we're at. And that, that, you know, the lead-in is one thing in practice. The lead-in is one thing, you know, in meetings. But now it's about leading on the field and just letting it all loose and just just where, whoever you are, win your one-on-one battle. And, you know, the preparation-wise during the week, coaches, you know, make sure that we're scheming the right way, that we're, that we're putting our guys in the best position possible. Is there going to be a bad call? Yeah. Is there going to be a good play by the other team? Yeah. But how do you recover from that? It's Zach Zaidman on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. I don't know about you, but I think most Bears fans don't want to hear the talk anymore from the head coach just because it was such an ugly game last weekend at Lambeau. It's been such an ugly five-game losing streak that you just want to see this team go out and crush a ball club they're capable of crushing the Detroit Lions come Sunday at Soldier Field. Zach Saveman with you broadcasting live from Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We're here till 9 o'clock, a little bit later on this hour. We will replay an interview with the general manager of the Marquee Network following the stunning decision that Len Casper made to leave Cubs television and join White Sox radio. So that's later on this hour. But now let's talk some Bears-Lions. And joining us, as he always does, Friday at 8, is Kevin Fishbane, who covers the Bears for TheAthletic.com. And Kevin joins us now on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. For those that wonder, why do I talk to Kevin Fishbane every week? Because few people have their pulse on this team more so than Kevin. He's 7-4, picking Bears games this season, both against the spread and straight up. And for some reason, he does not expect to see Bears offense against one of the worst defenses in football, the Detroit Lions. Did I read correctly, Kevin, that you are only picking the Bears to win 15 to 13. You know, Zach, I thought it was fitting um, that we are now around, what is it, the three-year anniversary of the famous Robbie Gold five field goals game at Soldier Field, scoring all, every point for the 49ers. 
I liked the idea of 15 points for Cairo Santos uh, to give the Bears a victory. Zach, again, I, I hope none of the listeners are actually you know choosing to go along with, with my picks because of my very lucky record this season picking Bears games. Um, but I will say this: I have a a rule when I have a few rules when it comes to picking Bears games, and one of them is. If I haven't seen the offense do anything all season long, I'm not going to pick them to do anything just because they're playing the Lions. They were bad against a bad Panthers defense. They were horrible against a bad Titans defense. They were bad against a bad Minnesota defense. I'm just, look, if they go out there and score four touchdowns Sunday against the Lions, would I be shocked? Maybe a little bit, but I just, I can't for the life of me pick that or project that to happen when it hasn't happened all year. How'd we get here? You know, uh, when you, you're talking about Robbie Gold, and that leads me, as every time you mention Robbie Gold, I keep thinking of the double doink against Philadelphia, where Cody Parkey blew a, a wonderful opportunity for the Bears to advance in the postseason. And from that game, the entire offseason that year was spent talking about how, boy, if the Bears can get the kicking situation solidified this is a potential Super Bowl team and they're I believe 13 and 14 since the double doink game yeah and you know it's funny Zach that that summer of 2019 the summer of the the kicking whatever you want to call it derby <laughs> debacle I mean it was a circus um, I, you know there were people that thought the Bears were putting on that show as a way to distract all of us from bigger problems. Now, I do, I disagree with that because I think, Zach, you know as well as I do, you're not going to waste a roster spot. You're not going to waste time and practice on something like a kicking competition if you don't actually feel that you need to do it. You know how these coaches are. They're not going to waste mm-hmm. time like that. But I do think that, um, you know, indirectly, what, what what happened was that they're just, you know, we could kind of see out of the corner of our eyes that, that something was off with, with the offense um, last summer. And now here we are almost a year and a half later, and it hasn't been fixed. And it, it's interesting that we're talking kickers because, of course, now the Bears found one. They actually have a, a, a very good kicker who has hit 15 in a row. He's 18 for 20. He hasn't missed since week three. Just what a team built like this needs when you think about the cold Decembers in Chicago, the great defense, and they don't have an offense that can even get into field goal range consistently enough for them to use Cairo Santos. So it is amazing to think about how we are here from that moment. Um, and, and it's just a broken offense that every little you know leak that they tried to patch up with masking tape just did not work. And, and you know... Sunday is a new a new day, right? It's a, it's a new okay. Well, now what can you do with Mitch Trubisky? Is this going to be Mitch dominates the Lions again, or are we going to see this offense just continue to flounder? I think the thing that kind of sticks with me, and I, I was talking to Tom Thayer about this earlier in the show, Kevin, is that when you look at Mitchell Trubisky and you compare him to all the young quarterbacks that are in the league. And obviously, it's always you're always going to start with the comparisons to the other quarterbacks in the 2017 draft, especially in the first round, the guys the Bears just decided to not go after 
Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And watching those two every single week frustrates you more when you watch a game like the Bears played in Green Bay, where Trubisky is still making the kinds of mistakes that you shouldn't see from a fourth-year quarterback, especially someone in year three of this system, where you're not scanning the field properly, your mechanics are off, you're throwing it into areas that get you in trouble, and you see all these young quarterbacks having early success in the National Football League, and not just Mahomes and Watson, but Justin Herbert comes into the league this year uh, and is an immediate success. And you see what Kyler Murray has done uh, immediately with the Arizona Cardinals. And I know it's a harsh criticism, but Mitchell Trubisky was the second overall pick in 2017. And we're still talking about this guy from a fundamental standpoint, from a mechanic standpoint, from an ability to make his progression standpoint. We shouldn't be here, especially with an infrastructure that was put in place for him to succeed. Offensive-minded coach, and they have spent time in the draft trying to acquire skilled position players around him. They have it. Look, they have a they have a cadre of quarterbacks. When you think about everyone in the in that uh, in that building, almost too many former quarterbacks um, to work with. I mean, Zach, when when uh, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, if there are wholesale changes, everything is going to point back to that decision on that you know April night in 2017 um, to pick Mitch Trubisky when Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes were still on the board. Uh, and if you know what, look, if Mitch Trubisky spent another year in college and was in the draft class with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, you know, who knows the way we'd be talking about him. If he, you know, was in the 2016 draft with, with Goff and Wentz, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's unfair when he is with Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, but that's just, that's the way it is. And, and then you see how close this Bears team could be. And, and we talk about this every Friday, Zach, they would be a Super Bowl contender with an average offense. But what's interesting about this offense and Mitch Trubisky's own struggles in it is when Nick Foles came in, who is supposed to be everything Mitch isn't in terms of reading defenses, taking what the defense gives him, being you know having the experience, the knowledge, the comfort in the system, and the offense was even worse. Um, and, and so you kind of you're sitting there scratching your head, like. Is Nick Foles really this bad? Is this an offensive line thing? The coaching staff? I mean, that's where if you are, you go all the way up to the top of the organization, you have to sit there and be like, all right, well, yes, Mitch Trubisky is an issue here. The fact that he has not ascended the way that that Ryan Pace and everyone in that building hoped he would is number one on the list of reasons this team has not progressed. But then you see all the other problems, and you're like, well, wait a second, this is... You know, this is spreading wide and far through this team um, that that they can't get anything done. Um, so you know, it, it's like Zach, nothing's going to happen in the next five games. I, I can't imagine that's going to change the fact that come 2021, this team needs a new quarterback, and, and they really need uh, once again to kind of overhaul what they're doing on offense because what they're doing now is just not working. It's a great point. Kevin Fishbane is with us for final few moments. He covers the Bears for TheAthletic.com. And earlier this week, you wrote a column where you were trying to, to get in George McCaskey's mind, the Bears chairman, and, and trying to figure out what's he thinking watching all of this. And a lot's been made about how the Bears have never, over the course of an actual season, fired the head coach during 
the season. And then I started thinking, well, they've been embarrassed in a number of games during this five-game losing streak, including that ugly game that we saw last time out at Lambeau Field. If you go out at home and you lose to a Lions team that's been worse than you this season, and if we see the mistakes that we saw last time out, and we see a defense miss tackles and the Lions offense, because the only way the Lions would win is if their offense is running up and down the field. What happens at that point? Do you consider making the kind of change we've never seen with this family? Yeah, Zach, I mean, it's a great question because I think you have to put everything on the table, right? If, if, if you lose like that on Sunday, the way that you just described, um, you know, what, what was it? John Fox always said it's a results-based business. It's a production-based business, and you're just not producing. And, you know, I, I'm of the belief that, you know, George McCaskey would love to do anything but have to make in-season changes. That is just, as you said, it's not how the family has operated. It's not how the franchise has operated. You know, they can look at Atlanta and Detroit and Jacksonville and, and see these teams that have made big moves in the middle of the season, but the different ownership groups, different economic situations um, with those teams and, and maybe the ability to, to do something like that. Um, you know, it's funny about the five-game losing streak, and I, I don't want this to come off as excusing the five-game losing streak. They were underdogs by at least three and a half points in all five of those games. So if, if somebody in ownership is trying to look for an excuse and trying to look for a reason to say, like, well, it's okay they lost five in a row, nobody expected them to win any of those games. The problem is how they lost those games. Mm-hmm. You look at the Rams. You look at the Titans. You look at Minnesota um, and, and what the offense did in that game on Monday Night Football. And then you go to Green Bay. And now you have Detroit, a horrible team, bottom of the league, you know, kind of known in hist- historically as being an embarrassing franchise. If they came into Soldier Field and beat the Bears. I, I think, I always come back to this, Zach, and I've thought about this since the before the season began when you start thinking about, okay, what could possibly happen that would lead to changes? If you're George McCaskey, what is your sell to the fan base? What is your response to the idea of, you know, how, how do you sell doing nothing? How do you sell status quo when this is what everybody has seen? And, you know, this is the, this is the team that you, you know, that is your family. That is, you know, everything about what your family has done has been built, you know, into this team and your livelihood is this team. If they continue to perform like this, you know, what is the argument for sitting there and doing nothing? That's what I just, you know, you'd have to ask yourself that um, if if they were to lose this game. I mean, look, the Bears are, are fortunate that they have, they built that cushion. They have this opportunity now with the, the, the teams that they have in the next three games to get themselves kind of, you know, back on, on solid ground. But boy, Zach, I mean, if, if they lose to Detroit, you, you can't really rule anything out. And, and I think it would be um, unfair to the organization if George McCaskey completely ruled out any changes um, if they lost to, to the Lions. I think that's the thing that, to me, has been so stunning about the Bears in the post-Lovey Smith era is we've seen way too many non-competitive games some of them ugly blowouts, others where the Bears just look inept from an offensive standpoint, or in some cases, uh, not over the last few years, but during the Tressman era, where they just looked inept defensively. And you can't continue to play these lopsided games. 
and 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 have confidence. We've seen way too many of that. I remember when the, the Cedric Benson game in Cincinnati was one of the first times during the Lovey Smith era, and you can count the blowouts on one hand. That's it. Where you're like, whoa, what's going on here? It, it seems as though there are multiple games like that every season beginning in 2013. And that's just unacceptable. It is. And it was a staple of the John Fox era for certain. Um, you know, the amount, you know, I think, I think Fox in three years was around, you know, where Lovey was in his entire time here when it came to losing by 20 points. You know, the funny thing about the, the Matt Nagy era, Zach, is that because of the defense, um, they've generally avoided the final scores looking as bad as it seemed throughout the game. And then you've had like what happened in Green Bay and you go back to last year's New Orleans game where the offense, you know, has garbage points in the fourth quarter, Tennessee this year. So they make it look prettier than it really is. But if you go back and you look at kind of first half scores and all things like that, and I always come back to this, Zach, this team cannot score touchdowns in the first quarter. They cannot score touchdowns in the third quarter. What does that tell you about what they're doing in the locker room, what they're scheming up when they go back onto the field? And that just puts them at this huge deficit, and it puts their defense against the wall. And it creates these situations where they get blown out. You know, everyone's talking about the defense in Green Bay, and it's fair. It was the worst performance we've seen by the defense since 2016. It is noteworthy. It is You, you should talk about it. You should criticize it. But we've seen in this losing streak, if you go back to the Los Angeles Rams game, moments where the defense, it, like, you almost can't blame them for looking the way they look when they're down by two scores and the offense is doing a great job and they know their own offense, the Bears' offense it is, cannot help them out. And you just wonder, you know, how hard it is week after week after week for this defense to go out there and have to put up just a perfect game to stay in it. Just to be, you know, look at the Vikings game. I mean, they did everything you ask for. You get the special teams touchdown, you get the turnovers. And the offense was horrible. So you're right. These Losing games the way this team loses games, it did not happen during the Lovey Smith era. But it happened under Trespin. It happened uh, under John Fox. And it's happening right now under Matt Nagy. The scores might not look as bad, but the games feel um, just as bad, um, if not worse, when you consider the, the, the caliber of talent that this team has compared to the John Fox era. So, you know, that, that, again, it's another thing for the organization to consider because you can't imagine... That, that, that George McCaskey, you know, enjoy, I'm, I'm sure he's not a social media guy, Zach, but he can't, you know, enjoy the idea of his franchise kind of being the laughing stock on social media week after week after week. All right. I, it's too negative. We got to end on a positive <laughs> note. And you did a great job of pointing out that if there is a team that Mitchell Trubisky dominates, it's the team he's facing Sunday. Yes, you know, he, he's been phenomenal against the Lions since Matt Nagy got here. Obviously, the, the Mitch is 4-0, Matt Nagy's 5-0 against Detroit. Um, his quarterback range is off the charts. His accuracy is off the charts. His yards per attempt. You know, his worst game against them was week one, and then we saw the fourth quarter. And Anthony Miller has been really good because the Lions play man defense, and that's where Anthony Miller excels. Just beat your man off the line and get open, and the Mr. Biscuit has been able to get his guys to football. Allen Robinson has had some good games. I, I, I'm really interested to see the run game, Zach, because you saw some moments. Obviously, the 57-yarder against Green Bay. They like this offensive line a lot better. Um, so I'm curious to see what David Montgomery can do. But, you know, if you're Mitch Trubisky, you can run against this team. I'm sure the Lions are going to th- throw some wrinkles out there. But, you know, they're going to be without Jeff Okuda. Um, you know, they put Desmond Trufant on IR. They put Danny Shelton on IR. Um, this is not a good defense. This is a great opportunity for them to 
figure things out um, and just relax. They just got to get one, Zach. And then everyone can take a, you know, you can't get excited, but maybe you take just a little sigh of relief and, and you breathe a little easier and things are just a little bit better as you move on to the next, you know, the final four games. Great stuff. Kevin, thank you so much. Thank you, Zach. Take care. Kevin Fishbane covers the Bears for TheAthletic.com. Let's take a time out. When we return, we will replay an interview with the general manager of Marquee Network that Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel conducted this afternoon on the big story of today. That's next on The Score. It's Zach Zaidman on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Last hour, you heard from Len Casper, who made the stunning announcement today, leaving Cubs television for White Sox radio. And we heard his side of the story. And now we will hear the Cubs side of the story. The general manager of Marquee Sports Network is a man named Mike McCarthy. And he joined the Danny Parkin show featuring Matt Spiegel today to talk about this stunning move. I know it's a, it's a big day, and uh, you and Crane... Uh, addressed a lot of this in the Zoom, but wanted to give you a chance to to talk about, you know, how you're feeling uh, about this. Um, you know, that Len is Len was your guy. So, uh, how's how's the mood over at Marquee today? I think the mood, as Crane described it, is bittersweet. Um, you know, Len is a uh, first of all a terrific person, as you guys both know. Became a great friend and is a wonderful uh, broadcaster. Uh, which the White Sox fans are now going to enjoy. And we wish him nothing but the best. Uh, a very unique circumstance, very, very rare for a fellow to go from TV to radio. Also very rare is the talent and character <clears throat> that, that Len possesses. And, you know, we have a unique situation on our hands, which we're exhilarated by, which is uh, replacing him in one of the plum positions in sports broadcasting. And uh, even in the short period of time that this has become known, we've had uh, reach outs from far and wide uh, of some very interesting characters. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, uh, a bit of a conga line forming, if you will. And, you know, this is, this is one of the plum jobs out there. And we're excited uh, to be a part of replacing uh, Len with uh, a great man or woman who, who would be appropriate for this kind of job persons but uh you know it, it it certainly doesn't take the sting away from losing somebody of lens caliber and uh you know he'll do a great job and he, he he it's very in a weird way i think crane said the same it feels good to be a small part of somebody you know landing their dream position and that's what he's got and and we wish him nothing but the best mike when, like, how fast did this happen? When did it become apparent that you guys might actually lose Len Casper? Uh, he called myself and Crane on Monday <clears throat> this week, and he was speculating about the possibility of having conversations about it. He asked, and, and by contract needed our permission, we have a contract with Len. He uh, granted it, <clears throat> and uh, it really wasn't firm until yesterday. And so this whole thing moved very quickly. Uh, sometimes they do. Um, and so this was not a, not a long-term contemplation on our part by any stretch. So we've had the balance of one week to deal with this and react to it. And, uh, and here we are on Friday, and 
we've got a we've got a new day dawning for for Cubs television and marquee. That's that's amazing that it, that it would happen so fast. And I'd imagine, like you said, I mean, going from Cubs TV to White Sox radio, TV to radio, it's so rare. It must have been surprising. I'm I'm wondering when you find out about Lens passion for baseball on the radio was it ever discussed or contemplated to say hey we'll put it in your contract that you get to replace pat hughes whenever he retires maybe it's a year maybe it's five years maybe it's 15 but if you want to do baseball on the radio and climb that mountain as he put it you can do it here when pat hughes retired was that ever discussed You know, I think those kinds of conversations are probably best kept confidential, but the, the Cubs radio is not part of the marquee uh, process. Um, and I, I think, you know, everybody around this situation feels strongly about what Pat Hughes is bringing to the table. So I think other than, you know, being happy that Cubs uh, fans listening to the radio will have Pat Hughes to listen to, uh, other than that being the primary feeling I have, you know, speculating on what we were talking to Len about. And we were talking about, you know, sweetening his arrangement and having him stick around. That was a goal of ours for sure. Um, the rest of it is probably best kept between us. But I think he said, I know he said, and, and I'll say, you know, make no mistake. We pinned our ears back and tried for him not to leave. But when somebody's chasing a dream like he was and is and has, um, it's it's sometimes not always as logical as other decisions are. And he, he wanted this badly. He wanted it when the opportunity came about. <clears throat> uh, I said on the Zoom call, you know, these, these radio jobs, they move like icebergs at times in this business, you know, to do play-by-play for a baseball team. Once you get one of those gigs, a lot of times, you know, people are in those roles for 30 years and so forth, and uh, they, they don't come around. And he wanted to jump on it. We understand it. Pat Hughes is obviously highly, highly regarded by the Cubs, as he should be, so I don't think there was any opportunity there to really discuss in short term. So Len pursued what he thought was best for him and uh, and good for him, and, and now we're, we have the task of replacing him, which, uh, which is – kind of kind of a, a backhanded thrill to be honest with you we're we're already as i said in conversations with some pretty interesting folks so uh which is not a surprise this is one of the plum jobs out there and we're uh i'm sure we're going to land something that the cub fans and viewers are going to be very pleased with it at, uh, in the short term it's mike mccarthy the boss over at marquee sports network here with us on the score yeah it's quite the opportunity here for someone with that job and, and for you. Um, and Mike, what is, you know, tell people, I guess, what the vision, what the vision is. We saw some of it last year, but we didn't really get a chance to see as much as you would have wanted to do with some of, uh, some of the expanded booths and, and, and limited flexibility because of uh, the virus and the pandemic, of course. What, 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 is, what is, you know, uh, a, a long-term vision of what this booth and the broadcast can be for you? You know, I think everything really changed this week um, when we're in the process of going out and seeing who's available, who's interested, uh, who would uh, resonate in Chicago with Cub fans. You you end up not wanting to limit things to, well, we know we want a two-man booth or a three-man booth or anything like that. We, 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 we're going to start with seeing, uh, you know, who's out there. We re- we've been reaching out. We've been reached out, too. Uh, you're, you're right to talk about last year in a kind of experimental mode. <clears throat> you know, we had uh, 
a, a very, as the whole world did, a very challenging circumstance on our hands. And we, you know, we did have in the in the original plan for last year's 162 game season, as you saw from Cubs convention, we had the idea of integrating a number of different personalities. <clears throat> um, remains to be seen exactly how we'll go about it going forward this year. Obviously, we have a big change here to to uh, to figure out and 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 get moving in the right direction on which we're well underway to do. Um, so I think the jury is out a little bit on how things will go long-term. All, all I can tell you is, you know, we're very focused on serving the Cub fans, what they say, how, how they feel. Uh, we're very attuned to that. You know, uh, Amy McDevitt and her team run the social media division and we're, we're, we're reading everything. We're very well aware of how people feel and what they seem to want and like. We're trying to be very responsive to that. And at the same time, maybe show folks some things that they maybe not had, hadn't uh, expected. Uh, and the Cubs, which we said when we first started Marquee, they have such an unbelievable roster of players that had prominent roles on the field and went on to big roles as broadcasters. So we've tried to integrate a little bit of that. We, we didn't get anywhere near what we wanted to do because of COVID. Uh, that being said, we discovered a lot of fun things, diamonds in the rough, like Sean Marshall and others, uh, so we, we anticipate a fun year. You know, there's still, as, as we all know, there's still so much unknown here. You know, how many games will they travel? Uh, where will the games be played? Uh, we, we've got a lot to figure out. Some of it is easier uh, than other pieces of it, but uh, it, it's going uh, to be fun. And I, I can just assure you we're going to work very hard to bring the best broadcast we can to Cubs fans. Myself, Mike Santini, and the whole team are, are fully focused on that. You know, when you guys were talking about Cubs culture and what Cubs fans want, what is your perception of what Cubs fans want in a play-by-play broadcaster? In a play-by-play broadcaster? Well, you know, I, 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 you know I, I've been in this business a, a long time, which is either good or bad, depending on your uh, perspective. And I think what most teams want, team fan base want, is uh, familiarity. And, and that's going to be hard. Yeah, because we're going to have a change here no matter what, you know, and I think change is always a little jarring at first, particularly for some reason in a baseball booth and in the play-by-play role in particular. So uh, I think I think there's going to be some adjusting uh, at the outset, and then down the road, hopefully we end up being able to build the great familiarity that Len built uh, with the fan base. That's not going to be it, – it's impossible to do that from the beginning. But I think, you know, there's, you know, a baseball play-by-play guy can or gal can do a lot of things uh, to make the broadcast uh, pleasant and palatable. But I think at some point what you really want is people to get comfortable and uh, and feel like they're part of the family. That won't be possible on day one. Day 20, it may very well be. And hopefully we'll be able to find folks that, that can bring uh, a sense of connectivity to the fan base, and we're we, we're, I think we're pretty confident of being able to do that. You know, if you if you know Len, um, like like we do, and all three of us here in the conversation are fortunate to know him, you know the earnestness and the the honesty of his ambitions and 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 the romance that he has for baseball and the role of radio play by play. Um, but there's a lot of people in our mentions on socials, in our on our text lines, Mike, digging for another story, digging for something else. There's got to be something else. He was pissed about wearing a suit or, you know, wh- whatever, whatever it was. There's 
I, I don't think there's anything else there. Um, but you could tell us. If there is something else there, you could tell us. This would be good for him. Well, I, I owe him some money. I don't think that played a major role in this, and I, I certainly intended to pay him back, but that could be that could be in here a little bit. You, you mentioned the suits. I think you, you, you threw that in very craftily in the middle of a rant there, but I, I heard it. And uh, to be specific, it was more jackets and ties than suits. But, okay. But I I would on, – on that subject, you know, that was that, – the plan on the dress was sort of arrived at collaboratively with the whole group. And uh, that had nothing to do with it. And, and if you know Len, as you said, the three of us do, I think the first thing he did was replenish the wardrobe. He was really into that part of it. I'm not saying it was great. It wasn't great. I, I'm familiar with Twitter and how to access what people had to say about it. I can tell you, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for Len. He was he was pretty pleased with uh, getting gussied up, and he looked great. And uh, I don't think, you know, there's no question that that had nothing to do with this. And he said – Again, I, I don't want to speak for him. He said on his one of his press conferences today that had he been at NBC in a polo shirt or, or WGN in a in a you know burlap bag, he he would have <laughs> done this. He's seeking, you know, his Shangri La, which is to do an Ernie Harwell and do 150 games and be the man that's giving you the information during the postseason. You know, no matter how hard we would have worked on a telecast we're still going to be brushed aside when the postseason begins and that you can see the pain in his face when that would happen that the games would be turned over to the national crew and that won't happen on the radio side now you know i've said this a couple of times today to other people ask me about this you know there's, there's a there's a concession some would say it's probably economic some would say it may be ego wise to go from tv to radio but if you know Len, then you get it. I mean, he he's a baseball purist, and he wants to do this. And I, I know I've had other guys in, in, that I've interacted with in my career that had similar views, like, like Howie Rose in New York, about being dispatched during the postseason. For some, it's just part of the business, and you move on to the next gig. For Len, it was, it was painful not to be able to follow through and, and give you the finale. And he gets to do that now. And I, and I don't think there's any more to it, frankly, than that. Um, and I, and I had maybe a dozen conversations with him this week about it. And I'm, I'm at peace with the fact that he, he wanted to do this because, you know, this is where his heart wanted him to go. He wanted to call baseball on the radio and be there for the postseason, call every game. He's got all of those things in place now. Good for him. And for people that are looking for more, you know, I can't tell you to stop looking, but I don't, I don't believe there's anything else there. I, I really don't. Mike, we don't have much more time, but just a couple of things, just like news and notes to tie up as we're talking with Mike McCarthy, the GM of the Marquee Sports Network, and Len Casper will join us at 5 o'clock, and there's no question he loved the dress code because he loved those skinny ties. He thought it looked really good on him. He would talk about it all the time. Um, JD, his status. You're just looking for a new play-by-play voice to fit in with Jim Deshays. Is that accurate? Yeah, JD's in a multi-year deal with us. Um, Very fond of his work. You know, to, this situation here is all about the play-by-play role and and Len's uh, desire to move in the direction he moved in. This has nothing to do with Jim Deshays, who's a highly regarded member of our team. And he's, like I said, he's in a multi-year deal, and uh, this doesn't affect him, you know, at all. And then there was a report from The Athletic that Chris Myers is the favorite for the job. Can you confirm or address that report? 
Yeah, Chris is a part of our team. Uh, in fact, we're going to be announcing a show that he's going to host for us sometime next week. Um, but that was uh, a curious report. It was not based on any anything to do with facts. You know, we haven't discussed this role with Chris. Um, we you know way back when, before pandemic uh, hit uh, us the way it hit us. You know, we had Chris geared up to do maybe 10, 15 games, depending on schedules and availability, all of which was compatible with uh, with Len and everybody else involved. But we haven't talked about this role with anybody, uh, specifically Chris, yet at all. Um, and so that I'm not sure how that came out. I saw the report. It was not, like, like I say, it was not accurate. That's not to diminish Chris's ability to call baseball games as a play-by-play man. He, he did it on a national basis, and he's a – He's a respected broadcaster. He's a big part of our team. He's been a great uh, soldier for us and helped us throughout a pandemic uh, doing trivia games and so forth. And he, he's a pro. We're proud to have him. But that was not an accurate report. And then last thing, again, with Mike McCarthy, the GM of the Marquee Sports Network. Big picture here, Mike. I mean, you come here to launch a new Cubs network. It's a historic broadcasting enterprise, given what the Cubs were. There's the carriage dispute. Uh, there's the the booing at Cubs convention. Then there's the pandemic. Uh, now you've lost Len Casper when you wanted to keep him. How would you describe year one of the Marquee Sports Network? Well, you, you picked four sort of challenging situations, I guess. And I, I, I probably wouldn't look at the world the same way uh, as that. I mean, first of all, the rating story was – Superb. We were up in almost every category. Um, we, we had a lot of proud moments on the broadcast. We brought a lot of high-class talent into the mix, like Cole Wright hosting the pre- and post-game shows. Um, you know, our, our carriage dispute was then settled, which, which means we're available throughout Chicago. We, we had a challenge there that we knew we would have, and everybody knew we would have. Um, you know, I, to be honest with you, or just human being to human being, the, the, my first reaction to this first year was, thank God nobody got sick. And we were packing guys into trucks and studios and control rooms, and we somehow got through it. And people put themselves at risk to bring baseball into the homes, which was, I think, a very therapeutic, had a high therapeutic value to the Cubs fan base. And I'm mostly proud of that. We also, But we did some fantastic uh, baseball games, and we had some other outstanding programming as well so and more more of that to come i feel good about it yeah we had we had challenges and growing pains and things were going to be difficult and we knew some of it and some of it we had no reason to expect like the pandemic but i feel and i think the folks at marquee feel nothing but pride about what went on here i think even even when moving along has almost sort of uh well it's given us an opportunity to find high you know high caliber play-by-play men we we're not happy about when leaving not not by a long shot, but it's an exhilarating opportunity. You know, all that to say, I th- I think Marquee in its first year did a lot of great things, and there'll be more of them to come. And uh, you know, we're, we're not perfect, and we we're, we're going to learn from our mistakes and, and take a lot of feedback in from viewers uh, as we should, as anybody would if they're responsible in this role. But I think we have a lot of reasons to feel really strongly that things uh, went pretty well given all the challenges that we had. So we're, we're, we're proud and pleased at Marquee and, and more to come. Well, Mike, one, one small programming suggestion. Uh, you did a show called Cubs 360, and every once in a while you had this talk show host guy on, this bearded dude who seemed to set up yeah. in the corner. He was a little oh, no. port- 
Yeah, he was a little portly, but I, I thought he looked pretty thin. Guys, thanks so much for having me. Uh, really <laughs> appreciate the opportunity. All right, next Thank time. Yes, oh, man. Yeah, just until next time. You're going to get a resume from that guy like Tuesday at 4, he said. Just be be prepared. <laughs> Good luck, Speaks. Mike McCarthy, the general manager of Marquee Sports Network, uh, talking about uh, the stunning news of the day, Len Casper leaving the Cubs TV booth to join White Sox Radio. Zach Sadman with you. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap things up. Look ahead to Bears-Lions. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Go Bears! Zach Sadman with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm expecting the Bears to finally snap the losing skid Sunday at Soldier Field against the Lions. I, I just think, you know, when you look at the matchups, Detroit's defense is terrible. And I know that the Bears' offense has been terrible, but the Bears' defense is great, and the Lions' offense is okay. So that is where I I think you have an opportunity to win this game. Now, the Lions are playing for interim head coach Daryl Bevel. This will be their first game since they fired Matt Patricia, the coach, and the general manager, Bob Quinn. If you're the Bears, you cannot lose this game. Because what's going to happen if you lose this game following what transpired, that performance that took place Sunday at Lambeau against the Packers, followed by a week of being called out by the head coach, you're going to be wondering what the heck's going on inside that building that we can't see. And at that point, I think maybe you start to think a change needs to be made this season. That's why I think there's so much on the line come Sunday for the Bears when they host the Lions at Soldier Field. You know, something that we did not talk about throughout the show today because the big baseball story was uh, the, the switch in the broadcast booth is we didn't spend a lot of time talking about Kyle Schwarber and uh, what uh, his future is going to be. And I just think this is something that, you know, we're going to see around Major League Baseball until there's a new collective bargaining agreement and that the current CBA runs out at the end of the 2021 season. And that is... Teams are going to look at the numbers that a guy puts up, and if he's eligible for arbitration and those numbers aren't through the roof spectacular, the thinking around Major League Baseball is going to be, well, I'm not paying a guy for either past performance or for service time as opposed to performance, which is the way it's set up right now. I'm going to look and try to find someone who is younger and cheaper and can be just as good. And that's why Kyle Schwarber is no longer a Cub. That's why Albert Almora Jr. is no longer a Cub. And, and I think the real key for them is going to be, and this is, this is the tough part for Jed Hoyer, is can you acquire the kind of talent for some of the stars that helped you win the 2016 championship Can you acquire talent for those players where instead of rebuilding, you are able to quickly retool? So talking about guys that can join you immediately, and while they may not be big names now, they're on the cusp of being able to be successful major leaguers the way the initial championship core for the Cubs was back in 2015 and 2016 and 2017. That's what you're looking for. That's the delicate balance. Because if you're able to do that, there's still a lot of talent that the Cubs have on their roster. 
They just can't keep all of it as is, and they have to tweak the balance of their team. That's going to be the tough part for Hoyer this offseason. But if he's able to accomplish that, man, is baseball going to be fun on the north side in 2021 once we figured out how long the season's going to last and what kind of rules you're going to be playing with this season. Got a lot of people to thank for making today's show possible. Start with our executive producer, Mike Rankin, who helped us blast through the speakers of your radio. Want to thank Tom Thayer. Want to thank Russell Dorsey. Want to thank Kevin Fishbane for spending some time with us. Until tomorrow afternoon, I'm back at 2. Zach Zaidman saying so long. Stay safe and healthy. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.